Thank you, Joseph. Good morning to everybody. Good to see everybody, it really is. Good to be together, to come here to worship God at this time and place together as the body of Christ here at Sunny Slope. We're thankful to be able to do that every single week and every time we can get together. Now, I've said in during this month of January, uh, my wife and I were traveling the first Sunday. We're thankful for um, Brother Hopple from Blair coming and speaking in my place while I was gone. I'm thankful for all of those who taught my class while I was gone. But beginning that second Sunday, I said I'd like to use this month, the first month of the year, to get us to try to think about and to stimulate us to think about where am I? How can I, how can I look forward to in, in this next year as we're coming along? How do I reflect back upon the year that has gone by and how can I look forward trying to prepare and get myself effective in life? The beginning of a new year for a lot of people means the beginning of a new life for them, or at least a turn in their life. And so there is no more important area of our life to be thoughtful about than in our spiritual life. So I've been emphasizing during this month, uh, reflecting upon each one of us individually, personally, as to where our spiritual lives are. Now I talked about last time Ask the question, how can I come to the Lord? How can I come to the Lord? Well, Jesus came into this world to save sinners, bring them to salvation, offer us the gospel message of salvation from the throne room in heaven. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is a great, wonderful blessing from God. It's great news for us, considering the fact that all of us outside of Christ are sinners in need of forgiveness. And so in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, Paul said that we are all under sin, that there is none righteous, no, not one. In verse 23, he said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that means outside of Christ, we're all lost in our sin because the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. God sent his son to offer his life on the cross as the ultimate, perfect, one time for all time sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind for all time. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. Then we ask the question in regard to all of that, okay, how can I come to the Lord for that blessing of forgiveness and salvation, redemption, eternal life? How can I come to the Lord? Jesus extended the great invitation in Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 28, when he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. So the invitation is there for everybody. It's for me. 
personally and for everyone alive on this earth at this time and whoever will live until the Lord comes again. Come to me, he says. And so we understand our need to come to the Lord because of our sin, our guilt, our condemnation, and that he offers us forgiveness and salvation and eternal life if we will come to him. So we ask the question, how can I come to the Lord? Well, we noted in a very succinct way by review that I must come to my Lord in absolute faith, recognizing him and confessing him as God's Son, my Lord and Savior. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. I must come to my Lord in open repentance, recognizing my sinfulness and my need for forgiveness through him. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3, and also verse 5. I must come to my Lord ready to openly own him or confess him openly as God's Son and my Lord and Savior. And that's important not just for me taking that stand and making that verbal acknowledgement that I believe in Jesus, but it's also important for people around me to know that I have come to that particular point in faith and that I stand with the Lord. I confess him as my Lord and Savior and God's Son. With the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10, 10 and verse 9. And I must come to my Lord ready to be baptized, at which point I will be forgiven of my sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At that point, I will come into a saved relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And at that point, as I'm baptized, I will come into Christ. As Paul wrote in Romans 6 and verse 3, do you not know as, that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That is how I come to the Lord. But I also must come to my Lord ready to live a life of consistent commitment and dedication to him. And that's what we would call faithfulness. As Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. That's how I come to the Lord. That's how I come to the Lord as what we might call or as I might describe myself as an alien sinner. And that's simply meaning when I'm outside of Christ, before I have come to him in the way that he has laid out in the scriptures, I'm outside of Christ. I'm lost in my sins. But he extends the invitation, and so he has given us the way through which I can come to him. But now, I want us to come to another thought or another step in our reflections upon where am I right now spiritually? What if I fall back into sin after I come to my Lord? What if I stray away from him and dedication to him? What if I become unfaithful in the way that I live my life? What if I 
become sinful in my lifestyle again after I have come to my Lord? How can I come back to my Lord? How can I come back to my Lord? And certainly that is exactly what I need to do. First, I need to recognize and I need to come to the realization and the admission to myself that if I'm back living in sin, it's just like it was before I was baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. I'm separated from God. It wrote in, in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Paul, or rather Isaiah the prophet wrote God's word, especially verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. I cannot live in sin and still walk with God at the same time. We might think of what James wrote in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If I'm going to walk with God, I've got to walk away from the devil. But if I'm going to walk in sin, in sinfulness, if that bespeaks the way that I'm living my life, then I'm not walking with God. I have to come to that understanding. If I'm living in sinfulness, and I'm not talking about making a mistake here and there, stubbing my toe along the way, and then coming to realize that and repenting of it and asking God's forgiveness, I'm talking about if I've gone back into a lifestyle of sinfulness. I've become unfaithful to God again. Then I've walked away from God, and my sins separate me from God. So I need to be reconciled to him, and that is brought back into a right relationship with him. <coughs> if we look at 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 20, <coughs> falling back into sin's condemnation, going back into the ways of the world where I was before I was baptized into Christ, that's worse for me than if I had never known about salvation through Christ to begin with. Now that's really hard for me to get into my head and really wrap my minds around and, and understand fully just what Peter is trying to get across there. If I was lost in my sin and then I became saved in Christ, but then I went back into sin, if I don't repent of that, Peter says, it's worse than it was for me before I was ever baptized into Christ. How, is it, how could it be worse to be lost after coming to realize that I was lost and then I became saved? I, I, maybe it's the understanding that I came out of that. I put that behind me. I was forgiven. I was saved in Christ. I was looking forward to eternal life, and then I turned my back on it. And so maybe the thought that Peter's trying to get across there is what I gave up, what I walked away from, how foolish it was for me to have done that. But he says in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 20, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, so he's talking about people who have been forgiven through Christ, who have been baptized into him for the remission of their sins. If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they were again entangled in them and overcome, 
They've gone back into those ways of the world, back into that sinful lifestyle. Peter says the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. And then he uses some really rich metaphoric images when he says it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit. In other words, he's eaten something that made him sick, he vomited it up, and then he looks at it and goes back and eats it again. And a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. You take a pig and you clean it up and shower it with a water hose or whatever, and then as soon as you turn it loose, it goes right back to the mud hole and gets right back into the mire again. He says, that's what it's like for a person who has come out of sin, has been cleansed through the blood of Christ, and then goes back into sin again. Oh my. Because you see, to do such is to turn our back, my back, on my Savior and his sacrifice for my sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, the Hebrews writer wrote, if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of, of the truth, there is no more sacrifice for sins. God's not going to send his son to the cross again for us. There's not going to be some other avenue through which God is going to say, okay, I'm going to take care of it for you again. He's already done that. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27 says it's one time for all time. So there, Jesus already, already went to the cross for us. So there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Oh, how we need to pay attention to our lives, to where I am in my life at this time. God's not going to send another savior. Jesus said when he was here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then when we look also at Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 4, the Hebrews writer, and look at how he puts this. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, taught the truth, believed the truth, obeyed the truth, and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. What words of warning those ought to be for us. God's not going to send another Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And if I go back into the ways of the world, then I'm going to be in sin again. I will have separated myself from God through my sins. And I will face again the prospect of eternal condemnation just as I did before I became a Christian. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 7, Paul wrote, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, on that final day of judgment, in other words, with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. We're talking about eternal condemnation in hell. 
Now, a lot of people, they don't like to hear that word, except when they use it in a profane way. They don't like to hear that word, that phrase, going to hell, in its most significant way of meaning, eternal condemnation in hell. We want to do away with that. But it's right there in the scriptures over and over and over again by way of warning so that we will not fall back into those ways of sinfulness. Well, so again, I need once more, if I have come to Christ, if I have been baptized into him, if I have been forgiven of my sins, if I have come to salvation through him, but then I turn away from that and walk away from him and go back into a sinful lifestyle, I need forgiveness again. I need to come back to my Lord. So the question now, how can I come back to my Lord? We've looked at how I can come to my Lord initially for forgiveness and salvation, but then if I go back into a lost state living in sin, how can I come back to the Lord? That's what I need to know. Well, we need to understand that I'm in a different relationship with God now than I was before I was baptized into Christ and became a Christian. I was, as I referred to earlier, what might be understood as an alien Christian. In other words, I was separated from God. I was alienated from him through my sinful lifestyle, through my sins. I was outside of Christ. And so I was in a different relationship with God and with Christ than I am now after having been baptized. But I'm back in sin now. But at baptism, Christ added me to his body, the church. Acts 2 and verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now remember what happens when I'm baptized into Christ. One particular blessing that is so profound, and perhaps we might think of it as the greatest of all blessings, is that I'm saved. I've come into a saved state spiritually. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15 and 16. The King James Version puts it very succinctly in 1 Peter 3, 21. Baptism doth also now save us. Now, you say, what about Jesus? It, it's because that's when we come into Jesus. If you think of baptism as a crossing over point, kind of a threshold between two ways of life or two realities of life. Before I was baptized, I was outside of Christ. But Paul says in Romans 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3.27, when I'm baptized, I come into Christ. Baptized into Christ. Before I was baptized, I was lost in sin. But again, Acts 22 and verse 16, Ananias asked Saul of Tarsus, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Now I'm forgiven. Before I was baptized, I was lost spiritually. 
under sin's condemnation. But when I was baptized, I was saved. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. My sins were still against me before I was baptized. But when I was baptized, the blood of Christ cleansed me, washed away the guilt of my sins. So I'm in a different relationship. The Lord added me to his church. But now let's think about it from the perspective of, of, of physical family. Probably most of us have either had somebody in our personal families or we've known of a friend or an associate who sat, had someone in their family who went bad. Maybe they end up, ended up leaving the family relationship altogether. What is the desire? Come back. Come back. Well, when we think about what happened to us at baptism, in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3, by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. We're in the family of God, but we're sinners. We have walked away from God. As in a physical family relationship, we might walk away from the family to do our own thing because we don't like what the restrictions they're trying to place upon us. We don't want to have to live by those rules or whatever, so you leave. Think about the rich, the son of the, of the rich man who wanted his inheritance. He took it off and quickly wasted it in what the scriptures call riotous living. Wasted all of his money, ended up in the pig pen, literally longing for pig food because he had nothing else. And then he came to his senses and said, I know what I'll do. I'll go back home. In my father's house, the servants have plenty to eat. I'll go back home. I won't ask to be a son again. I've turned away from my father. I'll go back home say, just please make me a servant. I'll repent of my sin. I'll go back home, ask his forgiveness. And when his father saw him coming down the road at a distance, the father ran to meet him and embraced him. And the son did utter his repentance and asked, please, just, just make me a servant. The father would have none of that. He was his son. His son. He accepted him back wholeheartedly. So we need to come back. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 that when we are baptized into Christ, when we have been forgiven of our sins, when the Lord has added us to his church initially, he said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What happens if you buy a new car, brand new car? You drive it out of the showroom or off the lot and within a week or two, you get T-boned. Somebody ran a red light and pow! One of your side doors has been bashed in. Or maybe somebody hits you from behind and the back is crunched. Or maybe you hit an icy patch in the road and you lose control and you run into a car in front of you or a telephone pole or something. 
and now the front is crunched. What do you do to that car? You don't get in it and just keep driving it. You take that car to a body shop and you want them to restore it back to its original condition. And that's what we need when we have gone back into sinfulness after having been made new in Christ. We need to be restored back to our original condition, our original relationship with our Lord and with our God, spiritually. Spiritually. As an unfaithful Christian, I need to seek forgiveness again, but in a different way than when I was an alien sinner. You see, we don't have to go back and be baptized again because there is only one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One true baptism is one time for all time. Now, there are a whole lot of people who go through something that somebody tells them is baptism, but it's for the wrong reason or in the wrong way that it's done. But true baptism is one time for all time. That brought me into that unique relationship with God through Christ. I walked away from that relationship. I need to be restored back to that relationship. And I know that comparing a damaged car to my soul is rather trite by comparison, but it's something we can relate to. I need to come back to my Lord. We see the example of a man named Simon in the city of Samaria. He was a sorcerer, a trickster. He hoodwinked a lot of the people of the area into thinking that he had the power to perform wonders. And it was all a hoax, but they followed him. Made a lot of money through it, undoubtedly. And then a Christian man named Philip came to town. And he began simply teaching people the gospel of Christ. Oh, they saw something far more precious to grab onto. Gave them far more hope and direction than this fraud had been giving them through his tricks. And they began being baptized. Turning away from Simon, the trickster, the sorcerer, and becoming Christians as they were baptized into Christ. And Simon how it must have gone through his mind watching Philip perform real miracles through the power of God. What he must have thought, I can't do that. That's the real deal. And ultimately he learned the gospel and became a Christian himself. He was baptized into Christ. And then when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria were becoming Christians, they sent Peter and John down to that city. And they came and they began meeting with those newborn Christians, and upon at least some of them they were laying their hands and passing on gifts of the Holy Spirit. The text tells us that when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands they could pass on miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit to these Christians. Simon reverted back to his old way of thinking. And he wanted to buy that power. P. 
Peter said to him in verse 20 of Acts chapter 8, your money perish with you. Scathing words right there. But he goes on and says, because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. And then here is how Simon could come back into a right relationship with God. Peter said, repent, therefore. You, repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart might be forgiven you. How can I come back to the Lord after I've fallen away, after having initially come to him? I need to repent again. Acts 2.38, repent was the first response Peter gave to those Jews on Pentecost when they said, what shall we do? And Peter said, for the remission of your sins, you've got to repent first. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, repent that your sins may be blotted out. I have to repent of my sins again. And then what did Peter say? Pray to God. Pray if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven to you. As a Christian, a wayward Christian, an unfaithful Christian, I need to repent of my sins. I need to come back into a right relationship with God. I need to be, I need to be reconciled with my Heavenly Father. I need to repent of those sins and come back to Him and ask forgiveness through prayer. The Apostle John covered this state of affairs in rather intricate detail in 1 John chapter 1. He stated, when you go back to verse 5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If you're walking in darkness, and then you're not in fellowship with God. The darkness is sin. The light is righteousness. God is totally righteous. If we're living in sin, then we're not walking with God, as I said before. But John then goes down, and he's writing this to Christians, and he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he goes on in chapter 2, in the first two verses, and he says, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. He's writing to Christians. I'm writing these things to you that you may stay true to God, stay out of sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, somebody pleading our case. And that's Jesus Christ, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the whole world. So if we will come back in repentance and seeking God's forgiveness in prayer, God is ready to forgive us. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 18 Peter wrote, knowing that, we were, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, things of this world, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. When we come to our senses and recognize, I, I've, I've walked away from God, I've gone back into sin, I need to repent. Please, God, forgive me again. The blood of Christ still cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. 
How blessed we are. And that's the power of that sacrifice. As the prodigal son's father lovingly accepted him back when he came back in repentance and asked his father, please just, just make me a servant. I'm coming back. I realize how, how badly I've done. I want to walk away from that. I want to come back home. His father accepted him back. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 19, Peter said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's waiting for me to come back to him. He's waiting for you to come back to him. I can rest assured that my heavenly Father will forgive me and accept me back. I can come back home. I can come back to my Lord. Now the question for each one of us is, as we look at the beginning of a new year, and we can say, okay, this is a great impetus for me to get my life right with the Lord. Do you need to come back to the Lord? He is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come. The invitation is to you still. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you need to come back to the Lord, if you need to get right with God again, don't be too proud to take that step. We're here for you. We're here to help you. We want to pray with you and for you. God is waiting. Like that prodigal son's father, waiting to see you come back down the road to him, waiting to accept you back and forgive you as you repent and seek his forgiveness through prayer. Or if one needs to be baptized to initially become a Christian, God's waiting for you. Will you come? Will you come as we stand and sing?